as we stand before these images of death on Halloween, it's it's kind of in a sense a way of kind of looking death in the eye and and kind of mocking it, kind of laughing at it. So we take these things and kind of exaggerate it and, and almost make a joke out of it to show that we don't see death as as the enemy, as the one who defeats us, but but rather as the saints show us that passage into that uh, transformed everlasting life. to the Bishop and Vickers show. This is Bishop Tom Bailey from the Diocese of Spokane here in Eastern Washington. And joining me are the Vickers, Father Darren Connell, Vicar General and Rector of Our Lady of Lords Cathedral. Good day, everyone. Thank Welcome you. to the show. Father Brian Mee, the Vicar for Finance and Pastor of St. Augustine. And Father Pat Kirst, who is the Vicar for Priests and the Pastor of St. Thomas More. I thought we were supposed to have our voices heard. Oh, that's right. Yours who, was who heard. Is that, who is that again? Oh, this is Father Brian Mee speaking. And this is Father Pat Kerr speaking. Wow, that was profound. Darren's already talking. That was really <laughs> profound. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> write that down. And our show today is sponsored by Pardini, Bloom, and Pachamama Associates. Which <laughs> <laughs> is a law firm based in Yuba City, California. We're talking about saints, and uh, neither of those names I mentioned, nor the vicars, uh, have any idea what saints are. But we're going to try to, we have books in front of us, especially the catechism. Um, maybe before we begin, quickly, each uh, vicar, and you recognize the voices, Father Pat Chris, your favorite saint, or one that inspires you? Well, I, I think probably the one that pops to mind is one of the biblical saints, St. Saint Joseph, husband of Mary, also acknowledges St. Joseph the worker, uh, because in part he is not as recorded as having said anything in the Gospels, so uh, there's something admirable in that. Also, I, I'm not big on the the things that kind of border on the, the suspicious in, in our faith, but that whole practice of burying a statue of St. Joseph in your front yard if you're trying to sell your home. It works. I, I, I Only if I, it's upside down. If it's upside down, and there, there are even prayers to accompany that. And right. I, I can't remember how many times I've heard that that works for people. Have you? They've, they've struggled to be selling their house. A good friend of mine who actually was Episcopalian, she and her husband were trying to sell their home and they were having trouble doing it and she heard about this Catholic thing of burying St. Joseph in the front yard and she asked me about Saint it Joseph. and I said, hey, can't, can't hurt. So I, uh, <laughs> so uh, she went down. It the next day. She went down to Coffers and bought a statue and put it in the front yard. And within a week, they they, they had it. their house sold. So someone said, if you bury your mother-in-law, <laughs> upside, down. <laughs> upside down, upside down, upside <laughs> down. Follow me. How about you? Your, who's your favorite saint? Well, it wouldn't be my favorite saint, but the saint I'll use today. Would, his uh, feast day is August second, and that's Saint Thomas of Dover. Hmm. Lived back in the uh, 13th century, and when the French were invading one of the times, uh, Dover. Delo uh, Dover, Delaware? Bluebirds uh, over oh, the, the White Blue Hills Birds, of Dover. White Hills of Dover. That was written by an American, you know. Anyway, <laughs> Stu from, from so Del when they Delaware. were invading I the French, all the other Benedictines, they took off into the hills to uh, escape. But Thomas, Thomas of Dover, following the rule of Benedict, at least how they had it there, knew that it was the hour for his siesta, and therefore he would not leave. He was the only one that remained. The French showed up. They woke him up with some difficulty, evidently. They insisted on him telling them where the treasure, the treasures of the uh, monastery were. He refused to tell them because, after all, he had not completed his siesta yet, and they <laughs> hacked him to death. 
Did they? Yes. yes. And there's a man With a who stood by his principles at siesta in the <laughs> afternoon, and uh, that's someone that I would love to. And you also lied him because he because he hid the money. He wouldn't tell. Uh, that was the other thing. He gave his life <laughs> for the treasury. Did they ever find that money? No. Still no. looking for him. All right. They didn't find him either. They Maybe threw him a in. pilgrimage. They threw him in the yeah. in the tiger. <laughs> Father, uh, <laughs> Father Connell, your favorite saint. You know, I have a couple. Oh, no. One, one, one. one. We don't want the whole I'm gonna give you one. Uh, I'm going to give you a short one, or not a short. He wasn't all that short. Well, no, I guess he was short. But uh, <laughs> St. John the Dwarf. No, my middle name is David. Hmm. And the whale, so, which is you're your not first a saint, name. by the way. Which is your first name in Mazda. David the whale? No, David the king. Oh, King David. Uh, oh. I, so oh. When I was ordained a, uh, a priest. Uh, 1992. Thank you. Um, one of my classmates uh, gave me an icon of King David, and um, I've always uh, cherished that? that. And It's in my uh, simple study. Simple study. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, well, for obvious reasons, I mean, David's a wonderful story of God's mercy and compassion on someone who was a pretty big sinner. Hmm. That fits. That fits. Yeah. I can understand that. <laughs> it's a false, talk, <laughs> false humility. Beautiful. Uh, we know that. And I like to be a king. Day. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> well, that. I, I'm, I like ruling. So good. Mm-hmm. Interesting. From the rooftop. Let's uh, move on. Uh, <laughs> perhaps in the process of saints, it's it's developed over the centuries. I know uh, martyrs believed to be instantaneously saints, but uh, Father, me, how about the process? I, I when you were present uh, at the canonization of St. John Newman. Were you there? No, I served, you'll recall, Mother Seton's canonization. Oh, that's right. It's 75 or 77? 75. Mm -hmm. St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. So tell us about the process of sainthood for our listening audience. Is this something that's changed over the centuries? I mean, um, well, all right. Briefly. um, Historically, first of all, it were the martyrs that were declared saints, and it was by the Vox Populi. The, uh, The people just declared them they didn't even have to declare them. If you shed your blood for the faith, you were automatically a saint. Mm-hmm. Um, when people quit being entertained by martyring Christians, then it became problematic. Well, there must still be more saints out there. Who will be the saints now? And so that next set, that next generation of saints were those confessors. In other words, those who gave witness to their faith by what they said and also by what they did. So, um, but still it was by popular acclamation that you had saints all the way, well, actually all the way up into the Middle Ages. The process became more restrictive with Alexander III in the 11th century. Rumor has it because he got very upset one time when he heard that someone who was killed in a drunken brawl was declared a saint. And uh, <laughs> that somewhat upset him. So he became much more, re- there became, uh, began a process of being canonized. And so that perhaps what we're kind of familiar with today, although it has uh, changed over the, the centuries as well. At one time, you be, you're a servant of God were uh, venerable, then beatified, then canonized. In our own times, John Paul II changed, uh, simplified the process uh, so that you only needed two two, uh, miracles to be canonized. He himself, he beatified 1,300 uh, men and women and uh, canonized 500. Mm. So he was John Paul II, who himself was canonized within, what, seven years of his um, passing, Mm -hmm. well, maybe a little more, but in any case, um, was very, 
he believed he wanted to provide saints and those blessed people locally so that the local church would have um, men and women that uh, venerate as holy. And St. John Paul, during his papacy, tried to f uh, encourage there would be saints who were not priests and religious, but rather, especially uh, parents. And I think uh, um, St. Teresa of Lisieux, are, are her parents... Um, on the process of, are they venerable yet, or be, uh, have they been canonized? I think they've been canonized. I remember when one time I gave a little retreat down in Santa Agatha. That's uh, a suburb of San Antonio. Off of the Amalfi Drive. Mm -hmm. And it uh, was to a group of Benedictine nuns, but there was a priest, Monsignor, there, and his sister, and their parents uh, were... I think at that time they were beatified or were going through beatification. Mm. So in light of this process that's developed, looking back at how this happened in the early years of the church, is there any reevaluation of, well, it, it shouldn't be that easy, it shouldn't be just by popular acclaim, that, so do we just accept that's how the Spirit was working in those first centuries to, to have people recognize the saints in the church, and, and now the Spirit's work to bring in this process to to assist with that and well say, you can't go back and unsaint somebody no i well paul the sixth did that some did i mean well he didn't do that there were ones who were questionable whether they actually ever lived. now is that saint christopher and saint philomena among others well i believe those are both two of two of my favorite saints yes. so i'm not <laughs> going to talk about them but in any case he tried to hone down that um corpus or that body of saints that we celebrate liturgically at least but no there you can't really go back and say well you were in heaven but sorry you have a new address yeah. in purgatory and we'll come and get you later <laughs> but, but you remember you know so you talk about the the acclaim of the people in the early church about whether someone was a saint or not remember that's what we had uh very clearly at pope saint john paul ii's uh funeral when mm. when the crowds were shouting out you know santo subito uh, make Santo it, subito. subito. Make it, that, they were actually saying gelato subito. And gelato then, subito. And then prego non fumare. Prego non fumare. <laughs> <laughs> no, but there was there was this this groundswell. Remember, just this great enthusiasm on the part of the people yes. to make to make him a saint. He was so beloved, you know, universally for so long. I hear you've tried that here at the cathedral mm -hmm. to I, get the crowds. Mm -hmm. you know, to say that about you, I have. He starts. I've, the used, I've used a recording device with has roars of the crowd. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so you got to start somewhere. Broke down. You got to start somewhere. Not working. The video right. footage shows clearly there's no right. one in the church. We used the we used uh, mannequins from the old Crescent department store. <laughs> <laughs> they would wave. That's the way. Those are in someone's garage uh, still. Just yeah, as pilgrims. Um, <laughs> For the listening audience, uh, we are taping this or recording this show on Halloween, but um, there is some question as far as if you look at so many of the yards here in, in, in Spokane, people are, have decorated for Halloween, and I know that there's some communities that say, well, wait a minute, the, the emphasis is, is off here. We should be talking about the saints um, and the saints as models for our young people. And before we begin recording the show, Carolyn is the administrative assistant to Father Connell here at the cathedral, and she, they're having an All Saints celebration and uh, an opportunity for our young people to, uh, to identify with certain saints. Do you do similarly things in your parishes? Uh, for example, Father Father Kirst, Thomas More, who was one of the f greatest saints. He's one of your favorites, uh, isn't he? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. The quote is actually, loyal to God and the crown. Not, it was, or, or I, some said, that loyal, I'm, I'm God, the king's good servant, 
Um, but God's first is, I'm the king's good servant and God's mm. first. That's actually the translation. Right. But what are you doing at Thomas More? Are, are you dressing up as St. Procopius? Or, um, <laughs> we do have in, in our mass that involves the school community, one of our classes takes on the project of dressing up as a saint and doing a little research mm -hmm. on the saint. And then as a part of the mass, the children come before the community and they introduce themselves. I am St. Procopius or whoever. And then they tell a little bit about uh, his or her life. And that's a way of uh, just introducing some saints, sometimes obscure. The children get to, to pick their own saints, and that used to be pretty simple when you were pretty much limited to Mary and Joseph and Paul and Peter. But uh, now with Google, they can come up with all kinds of obscure saints and, <laughs> and some, wonderful, saints. some wonderful stories about them. And so that, it's kind of a neat thing. The kids enjoy doing it. And Last year at Mass, we had a, a kid come up uh, wearing a an oven rack on, on the front of his shirt and, then, and then a <laughs> rope and an oven rack on the back. He, and he possessed him with these two. Yeah, St. Lawrence. Lawrence. No, oh. St. Lawrence. The, oh, two, the two oven racks. Yes. Who's Love. the one who has the, what looks like um, what what flight attendants and, and Delta Premium Select have, which none of you would. I don't know what Delta Premium Select <laughs> is. Yeah, well, you're brown and yellow status on Greyhound. But um, what what is uh, what are the eyes there, Father Me? What, what's, is that St. Agatha? Is that St. No, no, no. St. Lucy. St. Lucy's, yes. Yeah, Lucy, light. Okay. And so Luke's. her eyes were gouged out. By, mm -hmm. by the centurion? Or was that a uh, was that an early Christian martyr? Yeah, oh yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they were, the Romans loved those um, virgin martyrs. So you have Saint Lucy, Saint Agatha, uh, Saint Aletha, Saint on and on, Saint mm -hmm. Philomena, Cecilia, <laughs> mm -hmm. Saint Cecilia. How about yes. Anastasia? Saint Anastasia. Was? Or you think of Mother Anesthesia? <laughs> We're going to take it's a break. When break. we come back, uh, I've asked each of the vicars to actually recite uh, some of the poetry written by uh, Saint uh, Isaac Job. Saint Isaac Job. Welcome back to the uh, Bishop and Vickers. We're talking about saints, and um, a quote from the Catechism is, In the communion of saints, many and varied spiritualities have been developed throughout the history of the churches. The personal charism of some witnesses to God's love for men has been handed on like the spirit of Elijah, Delisha, and John the Baptist, so that their followers may have a share in this spirit. A distinct spirituality can also rise at the point of convergence of liturgical and theological currents, bearing witness to the integration of faith into a particular human environment and its history. The different schools of Christian spirituality share in the living tradition of prayer and are central guides for the faithful. At the break, we were talking about various spiritualities. Uh, Father Chris was speaking about T. Lake's Finding God in all persons, um, in all places, I suppose. And Father Me, you were speaking the combination of what you like about Franciscan and, and maybe Benedictine. Benedictine. What is it about the Franciscan? Uh, we have uh, uh, Father Mike Blackburn here in our town of Spokane, who's the pastor of St. Francis of Assisi, but not many of our... And the Poor Clare Sisters. Poor Clare Sisters. Not many people know about Franciscan spirituality. They associate Francis with the environment and birds, but what specifically about Franciscan <laughs> spirituality <laughs> might you like? Well, there's certainly that whole uh, appreciation of creation, you know, the canticle to creation of creation that... Um, St. Francis wrote, but just the simplicity, being able to see, recognize that in God's creation, uh, 
that's God's expression of love to humanity, and we're to recognize um, that communication, that how God is communicating with us through creation. The Benedictines quickly, uh, certainly their aura labora, prayer and work, but uh, something they had, Franciscans seemed to be somewhat satisfied with how things were as far as, well, this is God's creation, it's beautiful, and they kind of left it in its natural state. Well, the Benedictines always, um, they understood that they were to beautify. There was something, so you go to a monastery and the gardens are beautiful and, and that uh, they are to be kind of, they're to be co-workers, cooperators in God's creation by making it uh, beautiful. And so I have an appreciation for I hope I have an appreciation for both the Franciscans and Benedictines. And Father Kirst, you like the Ignatian finding God in all things? Or? Well, uh, yeah, I've, uh, you know, having gone through a lot of uh, Jesuit schooling, I was, uh, you know, certainly well versed in that at that time, not anymore. But another thing I liked about that was their whole practice of the examine, which I, I still to this day find something that's helpful in, in terms of spirituality. It, take some time at the end of the day, look back through the day and see how God was working through that and how well I responded. Did I respond well, respond not well? So it can lead to a little examination of conscience and so forth. And and it's a great idea, except I tend to do it when I uh, go to bed. So sometimes I don't quite get through a whole exam. <laughs> My mom always told me that if you fell asleep saying your prayers at night, the angels your, guard, your guardian angel would finish for you. So, oh, well. I I always begins uh, my night with Lord open my lips. That's <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, a little clerical. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. That's really so well on the show. Uh, do you have a favorite spirituality? Uh, I'm gonna take a different tack here. Okay. Um, so you've talked about some distinctive spiritualities. Uh, I'd like to talk about a thread that I was I was recently reading about. Um, you know the spirituality of the saints, and and that there is there's one th common thread that ran through the lives of the saints, um, and that was a uh, uh, a constant uh, reflection on death. That that uh, the saints always had before them their own mortality and uh, a reflection on that that they they did not live for this life they lived for the next and that constant uh, um, having their own death before them inspired them and strengthened them to live a life for Christ in the church uh, you know during their during their lifetimes but it was again that that reflection on their own mortality that uh, inspired them to greatness. Well, and I think uh, as we're taping, it is, as has been mentioned, Halloween, and which is, uh, from our religious perspective, the Eve Before All Saints Day. But certainly in the popular imagery of Halloween, there's a lot of death stuff, skeletons, gravestones, and such. And decaf coffee. What? <laughs> so wonder if considering those things is how as we as as Christians recognizing in the saints those who have come to share in the victory of Christ and in resurrected life that as we stand before these images of death on Halloween it's it's kind of in a sense a way of kind of looking death in the eye and and kind of mocking it kind of laughing at it so we take these things and kind of exaggerate it and and almost make a joke out of it to show that we don't see death as as the enemy as the one who defeats us but but rather as the saints show us that passage into that uh, transformed everlasting lives you were saying father Connolly, one of your final prayers is i thought it was lord please take me and then you find yourself shaving the next day every uh, day yeah well it, usually only the good die young but um four and you're what 68 now um, going on 90 yeah um 
saints of our parish, since you know the diocese of Spokane is well established, uh, there's a possibility of maybe one or two other parishes. If uh, you were to recommend to me as as the diocesan bishop as emeritus emeritus <laughs> what might uh, what might par- what saint should should we use for one of our parishes well uh, we, we don't have i don't think we have all of the apostles uh in the diocese mm-hmm. and <clears throat> i'm a fan of maximilian colby mm-hmm. uh you know so some of those more uh, contemporary saints uh I would I would put on the uh, the table for consideration, right. and a saint who visited the grounds of our diocese, uh, Mother Cabrini. Mm. I've always so. wanted to have a hospital named that, Mother Cabrini Mother Memorial. Cabrini. Memorial, mm-hmm. yeah, but that's not around. I would go with, with a Saint Florian burn unit. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, gee. No, that's appropriate. <laughs> yeah. No wonder. Stop kicking me. Or the St. Lawrence. <laughs> yeah. Burn you. Oh, what, wow. Uh, Father, Father uh, me, what would you like as uh Well, I'd go with the apostles as well, but mm-hmm. then after that, I'd go uh, with the great doctors of the church. And we have, we used to have uh, St. Ambrose hmm. oh, uh, in, in Lind, right. but that's kind of fallen into disrepair. I have a St. Ambrose here broken. Yeah, but St. Ambrose, St. Jerome. We have a St. Augustine, fortunately. Do we have a St. Thomas the Apostle? I don't think so. No. Do we? No. Uh, I don't think so. A Clement? No Sixtus Cornelius? How Get into St. the Cornelius? Popes, yeah. Ignatius of Antioch. That'd or, again, those uh, Roman, early Roman women martyrs, Lucy, Agatha, um, some of those uh, some hmm. of those great saints. We do have a St. Agnes, though, in, uh, in Ritzville. That's right. We do. Yeah. There's just no Ritzville there. Right. It's but gone. the church is there. We have an Our Lady of Sorrows. We do. Yeah, that's... Uh, Out of us. Well, we have, most of the... How many names do we have uh, for the Blessed Mother? Or many. Parishes? Many. We don't, have Arla- Bishop we don't have Topol. Miraculous Medal. I think I'd like to name a, a parish that. Yeah, we have a lot. Of, we love the Blessed Mother. But Bishop Topol clearly loved the Blessed Mother. And we, we don't have Elizabeth Seton. We don't have a Sorrows of, uh, sorrows of Mary. We, you have Sorrows of Mary. We have church. the statues. Statues. Uh, the Pure sorrows. Heart of Mary. Hmm. Well, we have Immaculate Heart, the uh, retreat Immaculate house. Heart. Well, I think most of those under Bishop Topol, all those Our Lady of Fatima, Assumption Parish, St. Mary's, in the, well, St. Mary's in the Valley is uh, older than that. But he, uh, so many of the parishes he founded or established uh, were dedicated under the patronage of the Blessed Mother. Hmm. The um, I haven't had a chance to say about one of the greatest saints of all time, uh, might be Patrick, uh, the great uh, evangelist. Um, I just heard today, and uh, I met with a priest, and he said that uh, there the, the might be some historical thing that the the Odali clan, which is where the daily name, might have been the ones who kidnapped Patrick oh. and brought him uh, to Ireland. Now we'll have to verify that for my life story. <laughs> but um, Patrick, of course, a great saint. Um, uh, Vincent de Paul. Funny we haven't mentioned Vincent de Paul yet in the show. Usually that would be the lead one. Who's he again? Uh, one of the greatest saints, the French yeah. School of Spirituality. That doesn't involve Merlot. Or, Bert, uh, or Bordeaux. Bordeaux. <laughs> um, the great reformer of the church. Uh, I think many times we associate Vincent de Paul with uh, his work with the poor, but the reformer of the clergy, his great line, we can do nothing greater for the church than the making of good priests, something we, we need to keep in mind. Louise de Marriac. What about the the, the priests, uh, the saints who, uh, men and women that were friends, like Louise de Marriac and Vincent de Paul, um, what about Benedict's sister was Claire? Was, uh, no, no. Scholastica. Scholastica. They were twins. Yeah. Were they? They Identical? were twins. They get together once a year. 
is all. But she was born first, together. I think. <laughs> was she? she acted like it. Yeah. <laughs> she acted like it. Yeah. And um, and then we have Claire and Francis. Who else? Uh, Bert and Ernie. <laughs> wasn't there? Wasn't John of God or John of the Cross? Well, you have um, Saint Teresa of Avila and Saint John of the Cross. Francis of the Cross. Sales and Jean Santel. Right. Is right Brother there. Allred a saint? Andre. No, Brother Allred. Allred. You know what I'm talking about? No. no, no he's a monk down know. at Mount Angel. I know. Was it? Uh, this was before. Before. Was he? Um, What's what country? Well, he's in the he's in the office about uh, writing about friendship. Uh, every, hmm. uh, I don't know. I, maybe he didn't. Was he friends with Martha friends. Stewart? <coughs> or am I confusing? No, she he visited her when she was in prison. Okay, okay. <laughs> that's from another show. Um, who's the patron saint of, of prisoners? Uh, Whoa, Saint John. How about uh, Saint John the Baptist? Could be, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Saint Paul, Saint Peter, hmm. could be Maximilian Colby. Colby. Every good saint spends time in prison. Maximilian yeah. Colby is a popular name when I when I do confirmations. I notice, which is good. Uh, many of our perhaps listening audience, that's one of the more recent saints. He was a conventional Franciscan who agree uh, took the place of uh, a father in a Nazi concentration camp um, and took his place to be executed. And he died so that that man could could live. And I, I believe he did live uh, after the war was over to go back to his family. Was mm -hmm. that true? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, well, he was at the canonization of, of Maximilian Colby. And Maria Goretti, who was at her canonization, uh, the man who tried to kill her was at was present also. Wasn't that true? That's right. And with, the, with her mother. At John, St. John Newman's uh, canonization, the, the 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 lady who had the miracle uh, uh, was there. Her uh, She was uh, pregnant and had just all kinds of problems, and, and uh, she so prayed to St. John Henry Newman or? Uh, uh, Cardinal Newman. Cardinal Newman, yeah. yeah and and kind of points to how so many of the saints that are so important in our Catholic uh, way of life do in, impact the lives of non-Catholics. In so many ways, I mentioned my Episcopalian friend with her devotion to St. Joseph to sell her home, and think of how popular St. Francis of Assisi is, even mm -hmm. outside Catholic circles. He's probably the most ecumenical of all the saints. St. Patrick, you know, people love St. Patrick's Day. Um, St. Valentine, don't forget St. Valentine. Valentine. Absolutely. Although they um, don't so remember St. Elmo, St. Elmo's Saint Fire. Elmo. I read a story about St. Elmo's Fire. You know what that is? What is that? Okay. So, and St. Elmo was a misrepresentation a of St. Irma or something, but it's this this phenomenon that happens in the in the weather in terms of a interesting light thing when air, you know, different yeah. types of air, yeah. and sailors would see it off in the distance, and uh, they started calling it St. Elmo's Fire. They meant St. Irma's Fire or Erasmus Fire, but uh, hmm. how about and it a, became a song. How about St. Vitus's <laughs> Dance? I don't know that one. St. Vitus Dance. Is it, no? That's what you threw That's your back out. That's for the next out. show, I think. Is it? <laughs> That's why I threw my yeah. back out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, St. Vitus. All right, well, thank you. And uh, please, again, it's a great tradition of our church to ask for the saints' intercession and pray that the saints may lead us ever closer to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. God bless. Thank you. Thank you.